Thank you for joining us. It's our mission to restore hope and make a positive difference in your life today. Remember to hit subscribe so you can be the first to know when we release new content. Let's go now to today's message. Before we get into the Word of God, I I just want to share, because yes, I'm going to talk about Pentecost, but I want to just give a little history. And a few years ago, I preached on Pentecost relating it. How many knows that Jesus didn't come to destroy the Old Testament? I hope you know that. Oftentimes, we as believers avoid that because it's a little more complicated to break down and understand. But everything in the New Testament is is a reflection of what God said in the Old Testament. Everybody said, amen, amen. amen. We read in Nehemiah, I said, I like a good amen corner. And he had one. I want one too. Pentecost is 50 days from Passover. So we are, can you believe it was 50 days we celebrated our resurrection Savior? Leviticus says that the Israelites were to bring a new grain offering to the Lord 50 days after Passover. I hope you've brought a new praise unto the Lord today. I hope you've brought something for him, whether it be monetary, whether it be a prayer of praise and offering to him. This is the day that the Lord gave Moses the laws on Mount Sinai. You can find that in the book of Exodus. And when the law was given, how many knows that the people didn't like the delay of Moses? They, they got tired of waiting, which most church people do. Right? Oh, we're going to talk about the lingering today. We're going to talk about that. They've hit all over it. They don't know what I'm preaching. But the people got tired of waiting, and they took matters into their own hands. And they gathered all the gold and everything, and they created a what? A calf, a golden calf so they could put their eyes on something and worship. The reason we don't take our eyes off our corner man is because you are going to put your eyes to something. And whatever you put your eyes to will own you. It's the truth. So the word of God says that the church was built up on the apostles and the prophets with Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. That's the word of God. So we need to put our eyes up on Jesus and wait up on the Lord. And he renews our strength. And when Moses came down off that mountain, the word of God says it like this, that Joshua went about halfway down. And when Moses came down, he said, what is that noise in the camp? Church has been pretty noisy. And they said, it's not the sound of defeat, but it's not the sound of victory. It's just noise. That's the word of God. So that golden calf was formed and the law had been given on Pentecost. On the day of Pentecost, oh, wait a minute. So in regard to this golden calf being formed, I'm just giving a background for those who maybe don't know the Old Testament and where we think Pentecost was a completely just a woo thing that came out of nowhere. That's not true. That's not true. The law was given. 
The people got tired of waiting. They formed their own idol. And because of this, the result was that 3,000 were commanded to die. Read your word. So in result, we go fast forward to New Testament. How many knows that the Lord is always progressing? Now, he is the Lord thy God, and he changes not. But his movement, how does a a God not change and yet move? His word is always progression. Say, I got to progress in him. I don't want to be lagging behind. I don't want to miss it because I've gotten stuck in religion. I want to progress. And so we fast forward in the progression of Acts in chapter 2. We know the infilling, the indwelling presence of God came. We're going to talk about that at the end of this thing. But how many souls were saved and born again into the kingdom when Peter, when Peter preached the first sermon. How many? 3,000. So let me explain something to you. Sin will kill you. The blood of Jesus will save you. And the Spirit of God will keep you. And here's what I can promise you. If he promised you restoration in a thing. Let me tell you what happened on that day when Peter got up and preached the word of God. 3,000 souls were born again. God replenished what had been stolen. You need, somebody needs to go ahead and thank God because what the enemy stole from you, God said, it's a day of retribution for your house and I will restore everything that has been taken from your lineage, from your family, from your inheritance. You will not be stolen from in this hour. Say Pentecost. It's more than just a woo and we burn up and we go home. It's a lifestyle. It is not a denomination. It is the release of the spirit of the living God, which is called to be the helper to the doer. If you ain't doing nothing for the kingdom, don't worry. He ain't here to help you. He's looking for the whosoever will, who will say, I surrender it all. I'm going to move. I'm going to breathe. And in you, I will have my being, Lord. Help me do what you've said I could do. That's the power of Pentecost, to release a helping spirit to a doer. Do I have any doers in the house? Say, I want, I want to do, Lord. <laughs> oh, do, Lord. Oh, do, Lord. Oh, do. You know, do remember me. No, no, no. Listen, he'll remember you, but he's looking for the whosoever who has clean hands and a pure heart, who will say, Lord, I want to do for your kingdom what you want me to do. I don't want to create no idols in this season. I don't want to be burned up with fire outside of your glory. I want all that you have. And I know that when I say I'm going to progress and do, you will send the help. Because that's his word. He's sending the helper. Let's stand for the reading of God's word. Everybody all right? Everybody like that little history lesson there? We're going to open the Bible uh, in the book of Luke. Thank you, Father. Who is excited for the day of the Lord that is here and at hand? Let's see. I was going to give you all those scriptures. I'll wait on that. 
Thank you, Jesus. Luke and one. Now, my church folk, our home folk, know I have been stuck. I mean stuck, but progressing. <laughs> stuck in the most amazing way. <laughs> in the life of John the Baptist. And I feel it's imperative that we understand his life because he came to prepare the way of the Lord. And the Lord is calling a people to do in preparation to welcome his presence again, again. Now, I know we experience momentary things and pleasure in his presence, but what is up on us? I don't want you to be caught unprepared, right? right? So we're going to talk about for a few moments this morning, the life of Zacharias, the father of John the Baptist. And if you have the the scripture verse, you can go ahead and put it on the screen. Just bear with me. We're going to read a few scriptures and verse 21, and you can read it aloud with me. And the people waited for Zacharias <laughs> and marveled that he lingered so long in the temple. But when he came out, so ooh, there's the, I'm coming. Yeah. He could not speak to them, for they perceived he had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned to them and remained speechless. Let's flip over to John 4, and we're going to come back to Zacharias in just a moment. John 4 and 23, when you're there, say amen. I love all the flipping of Bibles in the house. Thank you. No shame to those who are watching the screen. I do it too. Let's read aloud. Verse 23, chapter 4 of John. But the hour is coming. And what? Oh. When the true, what? Worshippers. Will worship who? In what? Uh, for the Father is seeking there you go. Preach it with me. For what does 24 say? God is, God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in what? Let's flip back over to Luke 1. Verse 10. Everybody good? And when you're there, say amen. Let's read that verse aloud together. And the whole multitude of the people was praying outside at the hour of... Ooh, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, we thank you for this hour in time. God, Lord, I thank you that we are not late. We are not early. We are right on time for the release that you are doing in this moment. You have chosen these people to live for such a time as this, to be active in the gospel message of Jesus Christ. I pray in this hour of incense, in this hour of prayer, 
in this hour of worship in spirit and in truth that your spirit, oh God, would be glorified at 1041 Center Point Road from this house, from these people. In one mind and one accord, we declare that you are thy God and you are a spirit and you are the truth and you are the way. So I pray, Father God, Lord, that your words would come through this mouth, that I would hide behind the cross of Calvary under the blood of Jesus and in the river of the Spirit today. We declare this in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead and tag your neighbor. Say, it's the time. It's the time. It's the time. Woo! Now look at your other neighbor. Say, you know what time it is? Say, you got to know the time. You see, the word of God declares in Daniel, he said there was a group of, of people, this, the tribe of Issachar, and it was their job to rightly discern the time and the season. And all through the word of God in the New Testament, Jesus gave a timeline to you and I today. And he would say things like this in Matthew, you will know the time as in the days of Noah. God told me a few months ago, he said, I want you to go and observe the timeline. And I have been doing that. And those who are closest to me know that I, I said in staff meeting and, and I said, I heard the Lord say that we needed to go observe the timeline and the season that we are in. How many knows that you are never lost as long as he is our navigational system? Because the spirit of God does what? I, listen, y'all know the word today. I'm not going to preach to you. We're going to preach together. So the Spirit of God does what? To all truth. So if you are lost with no truth and in a battle of confusion, what spirit's in operation? Because confusion is not in the Lord. Deception is not in the Lord. It's not in him. Now, there are many spirits that are working. And sometimes we worship in spirit with no truth. And there have been times we worship in all truth with no spirit. And the Lord is saying the hour has come when you, you want the perfect mixture of heaven being released upon earth earth those who worship must do it in this manner in spirit capital spirit uh, not your fleshly spirit and in truth which is the graphe written word of god that has come through the logos of Jesus Christ and in living, in dwelling on the inside of us, we have the ability to speak the written word of God with the logos, Jesus living, came as the word and he dwelt among us. And in Acts chapter two, he dwelt in the people and then we can bring forth a rhema to our situation. That is how we can speak to a mountain, be thou removed, 
removed and be cast into the sea. This is how we can say, chains, you're loosing today. This is how we can declare sickness. Today is your day of healing because I'm not just speaking my truth. I'm not just speaking out of my spirit. I'm speaking out of the word of God for a rhema to my situation. We got to know the battle axe that we have in our hand. The word of God is powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. And it divides and it cuts and it reveals and it also heals. The same sword that will cut you open is the same sword that brings you healing today. My God, everybody good? So let's go back to Luke 1 and 21. It says, and the people waited for Zacharias. It's interesting that we've talked about the waiting process today. Nobody in this season, for sure, nobody likes to wait. Nobody. I don't like to wait. My patient starts wearing thin after about 30 minutes in waiting for something. We go to a doctor's office and I've been sitting here for 30 minutes. And and what a shame it would be to have to sit here and wait to speak to somebody. Who do you think I am? I am a busy person. How dare you keep me waiting? I got stuff to do like my nails. I got stuff to do like go to the gym, you know. None of those things have happened in a minute for me. So, (laughs) because I've been busy waiting and hurrying and waiting. Nobody likes to wait. But the people said they were that, listen, Zacharias lingered. Which meant this was out of his norm because it was the hour of incense. So let's just look at who Zacharias was in, in verse 5 of 1. It says that in these days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah. And look, catch this. His wife was of the daughters of Aaron. Say she was of the daughters of Aaron and her name was Elizabeth and they were both righteous before God walking in the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless but they had no children because Elizabeth was barren and they were both well advanced in years my God so it was and say so it was while he was serving as priest before God in the order of his division According to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the same time that Zacharias, it was his job and his duty in this season and in this time to go and burn incense unto the Lord. And what I love about that, at the hour of incense, there was a multitude of people outside. We're going to call this Herod's temple because it surely wasn't the, you know, 
This was Herod's temple in this day. And they were gathered and they were praying at the exact time that Zacharias was offering the incense unto the Lord. Now, I want you to just follow me for just a second. Kelsey began to touch on this two weeks ago. And I said, girl, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tag your it to your sermon because the Lord gave me this word a few weeks ago as we were traveling to Alabama. And I said to the Lord, I would love for you to give me a little bit of time to dig this word out. And he says, but you wouldn't be your, it wouldn't be my word. It'd be yours. True story. So I preached this word a few weeks ago in Alabama, kind of, but the Lord always builds and he adds too because he is always in progression, right? So as we layer this thing today, I want you to follow me. That the temple, according to Leviticus and according to Exodus, we're going back, say Moses' temple. Moses' temple. So in Moses' temple, it was set up that outside, say the outer courts, it was called the brazen altar. And if you're familiar with scripture, and many of you are more familiar than even I am, you are way more versed and schooled in the theology of the word of God than I ever will be. But thank God he'll use simple things. Amen. Uh, outside in the outer courts was the brazen altar, which was called, say, the altar of sacrifice. It's the place where the blood dripped down into the coals. And what I love about it is in Leviticus, and I believe it was uh, Leviticus, hold on just a second, uh, 9 and 24, when Moses had built this temple and he set up according to the measurements and the standard that God wanted for each article in this tabernacle, he, 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 he said, this will be the place of sacrifice for the people, for their sins. And got no sinners up in the house today. Hey, so this was the place to offer blood sacrifice for the remission of sin that came into the camp. And it says that upon this altar, according to Leviticus and verse and chapter 9, the fire of God, nobody lit this fire. The fire that from came from heaven to light this sacrifice altar. How many knows that there are some things that only the Lord thy God can do? He's like, I don't need your help in this. No, I, we ain't going to have no strange fire for this sacrifice. You're going to bring me all your sin. I'm going to handle the fire. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that fire came and that brazing altar was lit from the fire of heaven itself. And when this happened, it says that the people fell like dead men in astonishment and the wonder and the awe of what God had done. But then I want to step on in to the holy place. So we're moving on up. So in the, in the holy place was called the altar of incense. This was the tallest piece of furniture in all that the temple had to offer, which means your prayers are, are elevated and raised. 
Somebody needs to hear that word today. As, as this was the place where incense was offered unto the Lord. And there was a perfect component. They believe about 11 different things to create incense. And what I love about the word of God is he said, no one is to use this rep recipe for their own personal pleasure. <laughs> Stay with me. He said, don't, don't think you're going to go create this mixture and go parade it around. This is for me. Wow. Mm -hmm. So in Leviticus, I believe 16 and 12, he instructed to go and take coals from the brazen altar, the sacrifice altar, and put it in a firing pan or a censer. And go and take this hot burning coal, which means you, the only place that we can have the fire from is this altar. And they took those hot burning coals and they carried it very carefully in their censer and they lit the altar of incense. And that altar of incense, it was to be burning and, and, and checked in the morning and at night. At the same time that the menorah wicks were trimmed. You got to hear this today. The priests were on duty to go in and their sections were, they were covered, their base were covered and what I love about this altar was this was the representation of the prayers of the people it was also the place of worship and the smoke when this fire was lit it it it, it released incense that went straight up into the heavens it didn't go sideways it didn't go downward it went straight up swirling into the heavenlies and it, the Bible declares that it was and is a sweet smelling savor into the nostrils of God there was a perfect time and a perfect hour for this particular moment of worship so this was Zacharias's duty as the people were in unity in one mind and in one accord. They weren't right inside the building in Herod's tavern, in Herod's temple in this day, but they were right outside. And Zacharias knew that there were people praying with him. How many knows that you carry yourself a little bit different when somebody else is praying with you? Come on, the Bible says that all you need is about one or two people to come into unity with you. And the prayers of the saints do what? They availeth much. The prayers of the saints have the ability to move the mountains that are standing in front of you. And we've preached this before. It is the prayers of the saints that keeps the Holy Spirit at work in the earth. Why does the enemy come so hard at you when you go to the hour of prayer? Oh, yeah. So here Zacharias is tending to the fire. And the hour had come to offer incense unto God. And he is here. And an angel of the Lord appears 
to Zacharias and tells him a pretty incredible thing. He, number one, it's already been spoken. He was advanced in age that he and his wife had no children. He was barren. And yet this angel of the Lord comes and says, you will have a son. You will name him John and he will come in the spirit of Elijah. Now we remember the story of Elijah, right? Fire fell supernaturally from heaven and lapped up the water on the altar because he said the one true God will always answer by, always answer by, I don't like the fire. Well, oh, this probably ain't your church, first of all. I love you and you're welcome here, but we got a fire. It gets hot in here. And it burns out impurities and imperfections. The fire of God is for far more than just saying we got a fire. It is to cleanse what needs to be cleansed. It remove what needs to be removed. It is to intensify the purity of, of gold. Listen, you take gold and you take an imposter, turn it in, turn it, put it up in the fire. Because you know what happens to the fake? It melts when the heat's turned up. It dissipates under pressure. But the true gold only shines brighter after it's been in the fire. It's the truth. So Zacharias hears the word of the Lord and he begins to tell this angel how impossible this could be. We're so good at that, right? We pray and pray and expect to hear from God. And then when God speaks, we're like, oh, no, 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 no. You got this. No. He's like, the people are praying for deliverance. They're praying for an answer. And not only am I here to give you an answer, I'm here to fulfill your own prayer, Zacharias. Because I'm, I'm a God who works multiple things at one time. I can take care of their prayers and answer yours simultaneously. Everybody just say that. He does multiple things. At one time, I know that we think everything's about us, right? Always. It's, oh, this, this is about me. It's about me. Well, it is about you. But let me tell you something. It's about the 300 other people in the room too. Because what God is doing for you, he's making happen for others at the same time. It's not just a solo gospel message. It is, he is moving. He's multidimensional and touching lives all at one time. So Zacharias was so taken back by this message and this vision. He began to tell God his perspective on it. Just look. He's like, you know what, Zacharias, let me handle this. <sighs> Give me those vocal cords. Silence yourself. Have you felt like you've been in a silent season? You felt like your voice has been ripped from you? And we're real good at blaming everybody else. But maybe, just maybe, God is saying... This is the only way I can trust you to carry out what I am bringing forth through you. Because it's not permanent. Everybody just say that. It's not permanent. This silencing would be a temporary marking of time. Because Zacharias, priest upright before God, he still could have aborted the mission before the fulfillment of time. 
And God is saying, yes, uh, you've been in a silent season and we rebuking the devil. I mean, like crazy. But let me tell you something. What I'm about to bring forth through you, I couldn't even let you speak against what's coming. Uh, this is the way of shielding and protecting my hand. It, what I'm doing is so precious and so uh, it's invaluable that I can't even allow you to utter a negative thought towards this thing. So you listen, I've been in a hellish season. You know what the Lord 5 a.m. prayer, the Lord took me to Ecclesiastes 5 and he basically said, just sit there and shut up. Because there's a time to speak, but then there's a time to be silent. And we have become a church that is full of noise because we love to talk. We love to tell. We love to complain. We love to murmur. We love to pray for everybody else. But when is the last time we went into a closet space just to talk to the Lord thy God Almighty? When was the last time we just said, who oh, is the hour of incense? I'm not here to get a word for nobody. I'm not here to prepare my sermon next Sunday I'm here to talk to you Lord I'm here to commune with you and I'm telling you without this one-on-one communion with the Lord there will never be a release this way never so the people thought my goodness Zacharias this hour has passed I'm hungry this is a perfect time for me to go eat Zacharias what has taken him so long? Why is that church so long? I ain't pointing anybody. I'm not. Sometimes I ask myself that. Why? What are we doing still here? I'm hungry. Here's the deal. If you get hungry today, order a pizza. They are very familiar with this property. DoorDash delivers here. Ask my children. It's all good. You're hungry. There'll be some food show up. But sometimes there is a moment in time to linger. When was the last time that you did not move God based on your agenda? And he had all liberty and all freedom to do what he wanted to do. In and through you. Just think about that. It's not, it's not even about all of this over here. Sometimes that lingering process is because you're asking God for a thing. And he's saying, I'm trying to give it to you. But about 30 minutes in, you have already checked out. And you've moved on to what you're going to do for the rest of the day. You give me this allotment of time and expect me to move when you say for me to move. We're all guilty. We all try to put time on God when he is saying, I am time. When was the last time that we sat unentertained, just waiting and trusting and waiting and believing? The band wasn't singing crazy. The dancers weren't worshiping crazy. And I hear the word of the Lord saying, when was the last time that my presence was enough for you? When was the last time that my voice 
was enough for you. So in the book of Exodus, we find that this golden altar of incense, it was made of gold and, a, and it was made of Achaia wood and it had specific heights and cubits. And again, it was the tallest altar in the tabernacle furniture. And the Bible declares in Exodus 30, and he's talking to Aaron here. And you shall put it before the veil. Say before the veil. That is before the ark of testimony. Say it's before my testimony. <laughs> now catch this. Before the ark of testimony. Say it was before my testimony. Put yourself in this scripture. Before the mercy seat that is over the testimony. Is anybody thankful that the mercy seat of God is over your testimony today? Come on, somebody. Where I will meet with you. Aaron shall burn on it sweet incense every morning. When he tends the lamps, he shall burn incense on it. And when Aaron lights the lamps at twilight, he shall burn incense on it. Say, a perpetual incense thank you for being my amen corner this morning my husband and spiritual son always got my back perpetual say continual everybody just say that with me never ending say this place this fire is not meant to be out it is a constant before the Lord throughout your generation. See, we try to make it as if this thing died out with the elders. You know what I mean? That was the old school. That was the Old Testament. We talk about Acts chapter 2 being, well, that was just for the early church. It's not for me. But the word of God, when he declares it shall be for your generations, he's still speaking to you today. He is still speaking to your great, 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 grandchildren should the Lord tarry it is not a gospel message it is not a kingdom that is cut off based on your ideology when he says it shall be and this shall be throughout your generations he's saying I want this thing lit some of you lit you lit the wrong thing today you good at lighting it up but this altar of incense was a very sacred thing. Now, I want to catch this just for a second. So we take the fire from the sacrificial altar that is in the outer court. Anybody and everybody in Moses' tabernacle could go to the outer courts, right? They, they, they could linger there. They could hang there. They could pray there. They could worship there. Then there was the holy place. And this was, as Kelsey talked, there was a tall, tall curtain in the days of Moses as Solomon built it they changed it out and put a door in place so we walk through the door because we've already handled a sacrifice 
And as we're standing in the holy place, this is the moment in time that if we ever, now back in the day of Moses' tabernacle, you nor I had an opportunity to come nigh that place. You want to know why? Because the people chose to not come nigh to God because they were terrified of him coming nigh to him. And I tell you what, in this day and in this hour, we might ought to get a little more reverence and a little more fear of God because we are handling him inappropriately and and not being cleansed and and perverting his name for the sake of selfish agenda. And he's saying, I'm looking for a people who will not forsake the brazen altar, who will walk through the door of Jesus Christ, offer prayers and incense and true pure worship before me because the veil has already been ripped. So you see, Zacharias and his sect didn't have authority to always go behind the veil. Once a year, they were able at Yom Kippur to take the blood of a sacrifice from the brazen altar and put it on the four horns of the altar of incense and then they were able to take that incense offering into the most holy holy of place but let me tell you what this place did once the prayers of the saints permeated the atmosphere and it went up to heaven I, the nostrils of God took in and his breath breathed back out you got to catch this today. So the greatest sacrifice that you and I have today has already been done. And we are trying to re-sacrifice Jesus over and over and over and over. Or we're trying to put ourselves on that brazen altar and live there. And the only time that we come to the altar is when we've sinned. I've had people come up to me because I I loved, this is, listen, this is my safe space. I've had people at times come up and say, you just, man, you broke my heart today as you, I can tell you're really burdened as you were weeping at the altar. I'm like, I'm not burdened. I feel amazing. I was communing with God. Oh my gosh. I'm in his presence. You should try it and stop watching me. We love to discern what everybody else is feeling and going through. You know what I mean? We make it our job to watch and pray, and we've stopped watching and praying to him, and we're watching and praying to you. No, sometimes have I been burdened and come to this altar? You better believe it. And I wear it like a garment. But if you watch me enough, and some of you do, You will watch me trade my garment of heaviness and I exchange it for a garment of praise because when I take my burdens to the Lord, I don't choose to pick them back up. I'm free. I've been unlocked. I've walked in the freedom of the Lord and now I just can walk away. I can praise and I can worship and I trust that he's carrying my burdens where they need to go probably sending them all the way back to hell where they came from but so often 
we continually make a mockery of the blood. And we want to re-sacrifice the sacrifice. And we want to re-re-repent for the same sin we just got deliverance from last week. So when we come in to praise and worship, we can't even get in. We're at the altar of incense and I can't worship because I'm burdened, because I sinned. I fell short of the glory of God. Instead of walking in the great victory that is already beset before us, we're burdened all over again. And we stop worshiping in spirit and in truth. Do you know that in the book of Revelation, in Revelation 5, Revelation 8, it talks about articles. Do you want to know how Moses built the tabernacle of God within the 40 days of being with the Lord at one time or another? The Lord allowed him to peer into heaven and he came and established on earth what was already established there. But when we move forward to Revelation... We can hear and read about the altar of incense, the throne room of God where there's lots of movement and lightning and thunder, rainbows of color. The one who's seated on the throne cannot even be described in words of man. It's like a sardius and a jasper stone. I, I don't know, John's saying, I don't know what else to call it. It was so glorious, I cannot even put it into words. But in Revelation 5 and in Revelation 8, it describes the altar of incense and one who is standing guard over the prayers of the saints. Do you know that in heaven it says that our Lord and our Savior, He is interceding continually for you and for I. And I believe He is standing and He is tending the coals of this fire. And He's sending the smoke into the throne room of God. And He's saying, Father, i got to answer this prayer today. Uh, Gabriel, go take a deliverance message. Uh, Michael, go take your sword. Angel, be moved on their behalf today. They're praying. They're praying. Holy Spirit, go work for them. But you know what altar's not mentioned in Revelation? The brazen altar. The altar where the church wants to live. <laughs> that sacrifice has already been done. He is the foundation has already been laid. And we trying to rip up and destroy and break down and rebuild the foundation of this message. He said there will never be another sacrifice made for you. But you got to receive it. You got to accept the sacrifice. But then in accepting the sacrifice, we got to accept the death. And then we've got to accept the burial. And then we've got to live in the resurrected power of Christ. Christ. The brazen altar ain't there because it's already done. Some of you ain't got to worry. If you're wondering if it's there and you ain't living it here, you won't know. I love you enough to tell you the truth. But a church that prays, but a church that declares, I will build my life. Upon your love, it is my firm foundation. 
A church that contends and declares what I preached was we've got to get out of defense mode, but the defending champion wants to come and defend a thing when God has called the church to a contending, knowing that you've already won the victory. Why? Because the word of God declares it in John 16, 33. I have already overcame the world. Whatever you would have, whatever you would face. I just, I struggle to pray. Guess what? I do too. There are days that I come in here and I can't even utter a word. But as I heard the Lord say Tuesday morning, good, be silent. Sometimes it's okay for your tears to speak to him. Sometimes it's okay and it's enough for your hands to be lifted high. It's enough to get here and just say, I don't have much to offer you, but it is the hour and it is time. And I am not going to forsake what you said, do Lord. I, I'm here. I'm, I'm churning the fire today. I'm here. I've trimmed the wick. I don't have much else to offer, but I'm offering you the incense and in prayer today. You see, in Isaiah, it was a time where people kept the rituals and the rites of the temple. But the people's hearts were far from the Lord. They kept the things burning and going and doing. But they had no spirit to do it. They operated in all truth. And no spirit. And as we heard Kelsey a few weeks ago talk about in Isaiah 6. When the angel of the Lord took a coal from the altar of God. And touched his lips. Because he acknowledged. I've been preaching this word for 20 so years. And I have unclean lips. None of us are too far in this thing that we can't recognize. Oh, my Lord, I need to be cleansed. It's one thing to preach to you about your cleansing, but I also have a responsibility to deal with mine. <laughs> Today, we cannot forsake the blood covenant. My, my pastor, your pastor has preached it. We often want to negate and we want to go around the blood of Jesus. We want to get in his presence and not accept his blood and his sacrifice and his resurrection. As the altar of incense set directly before the veil in front of the ark of the covenant of God. And in this ark were what? The laws of Moses, manna from heaven, and Aaron's rod that blossomed almonds overnight was in this testimony box and the veil was rent when Jesus died at the third hour of the day which is the hour of prayer wow. Jesus died at the hour of prayer and the veil was rent not from the floor to the top the veil was rent from the top to the bottom that man would not be able to say well thus happened and this happened and that might be why the veil torn God said no one will get the glory except me and my son's sacrifice and because he bled and he died the sacrifice 
sacrifice has been settled once and for all. And what had had limitations on it previously, he's saying, come, come, come. So here's my question to you today. How well are we doing as a church? How well are we doing as a nation? I know we just had National Day of Prayer. Woohoo! The one year, one day a year, the church rallies to pray. We have 5 a.m. Tuesday prayer every, every other Tuesday. Woohoo! About 20 of us are going to make it in. The rest of y'all need to pray. I'm just kidding. When was the last time that you set time aside? Not to come and hear from me or your pastor or from one of the tags you're in. Now, don't get me twisted. The church, this building, say this building, and every other building in this community and around the world is built for the equipping of the saints for the purpose of ministry. So today my prayer is that you hear this word and you make it applicable to your life to go forth and read the word of God, speak the word of God, pray the word of God, and expect God to answer you by fire. This building is not meant to be a showroom. This building is not meant to be a trophy case. Last Wednesday night, I sat here, and this word's different than it was because I'm preaching pastorally tonight and not evangelistically. You should have heard it the other night. It was fire. When I preach here, the Lord says, you're going to step into the pastor prophetic role because I'm responsible for you. When I stand before God, you as our sheep and we as your shepherds, we have to answer before the throne of God for your sake, your sakes. You won't answer for me, but I will answer for you. So when pastor was talking about you can't believe how great the responsibility is, you cannot imagine. So I preach it different today. But as the Lord Wednesday night up here, fellowshipping with the Lord, the Lord showed me a massive wall. And it was a fish tank and I was inside of it. I heard the Spirit of the Lord say, they've tried to keep me in the box too. They tried to put me in the box too. And I began to look up in my, in my prophetic dream interpretation book and, and visual book and fish tank represents the church. And I want you to catch this. In 2 Samuel 7, say 2 Samuel 7. Four. Let's just let's just go there, and whoever's coming up, you can come on because we, we're about to flip this thing. David was a man after God's own heart. He did not do all the right things. Here's the problem. We are expecting people to live to our standard of perfection, and you're not going to find it. It's impossible. But what we need to look is like what Samuel looked when he went to go anoint king because the people of Israel begged God for a king. We want to be like everybody else. We want to, we want to be like all the other nations. And so he went and found David, little shepherd boy, in a field. 
And God had warned Samuel. He said, you need to pay attention. Everybody say that. Pay attention. Because man looks on the outside. If it looks right, they assume it's right. But God's saying, I want you to dig a little deeper and look at the heart. And it's not even what's being said. What are you talking about, Pastor? We can look at Acts 16. And the, and the girl who was filled with the demon, she said all the right things. Following Paul and Silas around, saying, these men are here to tell us how to be saved. She looked real spiritual. But her heart was not pure before the Lord. My God is right. So David was a man after God's own heart. And I'm talking about an adulterous, nasty murderer. Multiple wives. Had he been alive today and in this house, we would condemn him to hell. But God said, he's the man I choose to be king. You want to know why? Because he's not ashamed to come to me when he messes up. <laughs> he knows where to run to. He knows who to talk to. He fellowships and he communes with me. Even though he's a mess, he brings his mess to me. David is in covenant with God in 2 Samuel and chapter 7. And David is feeling guilty because he is in this beautiful palace. And he's talking to the prophet Nathan and he says this. He said, why should I live in this when the presence of God is living in a box in a tent? And the prophet very quickly spoke and he says, whatever's on your heart to do, do it because the Lord's with you, David. But then the prophet went home and went to bed. See, this is why we got to be careful just mouthing and spouting things off because some of it's you and not him. When the prophet went to bed and he shut his mouth and shut his eyes, the Lord went and said, you go tell David. Have I ever asked for a house to live in? He said, I've not dwelt in a house since I brought the children of Israel out of Egypt. Now just listen to this wording that he tells the prophet and David. David hears these words. I've not dwelt in a house since the time I brought the children of Israel up out of Egypt even to this day. But I have moved about in a tent and in a tabernacle wherever I moved about with the children of Israel. I want you to catch this. He says, now David, I chose you. To be a king, a little shepherd boy, while I was living in a tent, dwelling in a box. Here's the part that I want you to catch. We've put God in a fish tank. We, we've taken him out of the box, but we put him on display case. And we put him behind glass. And we expect him to cast his miracles out, but we still don't want to get too close to him because he's a little bit scary. 
His voice is thunderous and there's lightning coming forth out of him. And that church is, it's, it's loud. But let me, let's just be clear. It's not noise. It's a sound. And a sound breaks barriers. And it releases and carries things to the heavenlies. There's a difference in noise and sound. We have traded the box of the ark. And we put him behind glass in a fish tank. In our church, in our churches around the world. And here's what God said to the prophet and to David that day. He said, I like to move in with my people. <laughs> I'm a God of movement. Like where I step and where I go, miracle signs and wonders happen. I don't like being entrapped. I'm not a brick and mortar kind of God. I, I don't want to be, don't put me in your box. Because what people try to control, they'll try to contain. And God says, I am a God who is not intended to be contained behind brick and mortar. I enjoyed moving with my people. I didn't expect a house, David. He said, but your son, if that's what the people want, you want to build me a place to dwell. We'll flood the people there. We'll flood them in. He said, your son, however, will build a tabernacle. It'll be beautiful. And it was Solomon's tabernacle was the most beautiful thing that had ever been built. And God deserves that. But I want you to look at yourself. <laughs> look at yourself today. Pull out the mirror. So what happened in Acts chapter 2 was he said the veil was written. I'm coming up out of this box. And religiosity will not contain me. And those who have an ear, they will hear what my spirit is saying. I'm not willing to just sit and wait on you to move to me. But now I will infill a house. I will infill a people. I want to move and breathe among my people again. I am a God of movement. I am a God of movement. He said, what I created is better than what man's hands could ever build. Stand to your feet today. So the presence of God and the indwelling and the infilling power of God was so we can move in Him. Be empowered and sealed by the Holy Spirit. He says, who will build a house for me? And He's not talking about brick and mortar. If we wanted to build God the house He deserved today, not anybody in this room could afford it. It's the truth. Cost of lumber is too much. We ain't got any friends overseas who's willing to send us, uh, you know, cedars of Lebanon. Nobody. But here's my question today. The price has been paid. The sacrifice altar is no longer at work in the heavenlies. But because you have accepted the blood of Jesus over your life. And it is my prayer that if you are under the sound of my voice that you have today. Why do we treat God as if he is still in the box? As if he is a brick and mortar God when he's saying, I desire to move. I'm a God of movement. Well, this is some Pentecost sermon. If you don't understand what Pentecost is, you will burn out and die. 
congratulations for your flame. It is our job and our responsibility to teach how to keep it turning and burning. You know that it's been, and I said, my mama told me this years and years, and it's better to marry than to burn. Aaron said, boy, my grandmother said that too. It's better to marry than to burn. You're going to burn if you're fornicating, and you will. Some of you young people. But then there were some people went and made covenants because they thought they were going to burn in hell, and they married the devil. <laughs> the word marriage is a covenant term between him and he's saying it is better to marry than to waste your passions on your flesh than to waste your idle words on emptiness it is better to come into covenant with me and let me burn in you that I may breathe righteousness and legislate this earth according to the rules of heaven it is my job to come into covenant with you will you come into covenant with me I want to move with you I don't want to be stuck behind the four walls I love the church he's saying I love my church this is not an opportunity for you to go, I just, I, I just hear from the Lord all by myself. And you'll find yourself to crazy town too. Iron sharpens iron. When you start heeding to the voice in your own head, you're about to spiral down real quick. But when I come into His authority, I can be equipped and I can be empowered to go forth in the Holy Spirit to bring revival out there. Do you know that technically you should never wait until you ask someone about salvation until they get to church? Well, I like churches. All they talk about salvation. Yeah, because you're a scaredy cat. Technically, you should be administering salvation. But here's what happened. We fishers of men and we bring them in and we stick them in the fish tank. In my vision on Wednesday night, the Lord handed me something and he said, are you sick of being in the fish tank, sister? I said, Lord, I am. He said, man wants to try to control and manipulate and tell you how I can move in you and through you. And he handed me something and he said, shatter it forth. And Christy came up. She said, I see dry parched ground. She said, but I see there's about to be a gushing of a river. And I said, I know what that is. I'm here today to shatter the fish tank. If you're tired of being behind a glass shield and not moving in the Holy Ghost, not operating, not breathing, you're stuck. The shattering is about to burst forth water. There's about to step a river in this place. You're not meant to be stuck behind glass. The enemy would lie to you and tell you, well, you, this is the only place you can breathe. This is the only way, but you're stuck and you're held captive. You see, the church is a hospital for the sick. It's a courtroom for those who are in trouble and oppressed. It is a freeing place for those who are entangled in the worst decisions of their life. He's saying, let me move and let me breathe and let me have my being in you. Well, I just don't feel it. I can't pray in the Holy Ghost today. I just, I just, 
I ain't feeling it. And sit there and be quiet. But there's about to be some tongues loosed in this house today. Because going back to Zacharias, there came a point on the eighth day, which was a new beginning. And they tried to tell Elizabeth, she's the only one that could speak. And they say, what, what, I assume his name's Zacharias. And she said, no, his name is John. And they said, Elizabeth, nobody in your family has ever been named John. What are you doing? You're losing your mind. And she said, his name is John. His name is John. And about this time, Zacharias beckoned for a tablet to write with. And he does like this. And he says, Is that John? His name is John. His name is John. And the Bible says that the people were astonished and amazed that this man, this baby that had just been born, would not bear the name of his father. And I I preached it a few weeks ago. John the Baptist came to prepare the way. He was the first fruit seed to break your generational curse. You're right. Nobody in my family's been named that before. Because I'm doing a new thing through you, John. I'm preparing in the way of the kingdom and while Zacharias has been upright Zacharias is Zacharias but I need you to be John I need you to move I need you to move I'm too busy Lord I'm too busy Lord I got too much going on I can't I can't do those things I can't I can't do those things I can't even I can't even think straight for myself God let alone pray to you I'm telling you on this Pentecost day he said it is more than brick and mortar stop putting me in a box and let me move with my people our prayers are meant to be incense into his nostrils not staunchy gasping for air things up to him every head bowed and every eye closed See, I love it because it got real tight in this room when I begin preaching this word it's because the enemy knows what's coming Come on, I need my people who are praying at the hour of incense in one mind and in one accord. We're going to linger for a minute because there's some people who have great needs in this house. They desire an empowerment. They desire a helper beyond their ability to do. Beyond the brick and the mortar. He said, I'm not interested in the noise, but here's what I am. I'm interested in the movement. I'm interested in the movement. 
Is there anybody under the sound of my voice that you would say, I've been trying to worship in spirit and in truth, but I keep going back and re-sacrificing, and today is a finality day for me, and I need to go back to the blood before I take another step. If that's you, would you just lift up your hand and say, that's me, Sister Crab. I need to go back to the blood today. I need to repent for the finality time, and then I just need to receive mercy today from him. Come on, is there anybody who would say, I... I, for thank you for this hand. Is there anybody else under the sound of my voice? I need to repent today. I need to come back. I, I need to step back towards the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I accept the blood sacrifice today. Is there anyone else? Is there anyone else? I need to be saved today. I need to be saved today. I need to, we've got one rededication. Is there anybody else? I need to be saved today. I'm thankful that His mercies are new every morning, but there comes a point, people of God, when you are called to be the tabernacle dwelling of His presence. There comes a point when you are called to go release fire and bring healing and administer spirit and truth into your neighbor. Love your neighbor as yourself only after you've loved the Lord thy God with everything that's in you. Come on, is there anybody else? The enemy's kept you tripped up in sin. Come on, no shame today. Come on, if that's you, I've been so tripped up in sin. I don't even think straight anymore. Is there anybody else? There's one in the room. Come on. Thank you. Come on, is there anybody else? Thank you for the hand in the back. Thank you. Come on, is there anybody else? We're, you know what? I ain't got nothing to do today until 5 o'clock. I'm going bowling and I'm terrible. So I don't mind waiting on that. Is there anybody else? We're going to linger for a minute. Come on, church. Where are my prayers at? We've traded the covenant for convenience. Truly, we've traded the covenant for convenience in every area of our life. We stopped howling and weeping at the altar of the Lord for souls. And there's not being in the natural. There's great abortions in the spirit. There's great abortions. There's barrenness in the natural. There's barrenness in the spirit. Because nobody's being travailed for in the spirit of the living God. Our incense aren't pure. We're trying to light the fire every other way. But he said in Exodus 30, I will not accept strange fire. The only place this, this will be lit, the only place this uh, prayer and incense will be accepted is from the sacrifice altar. That's the word. altar of sacrifice. It's the only place to light it. It's the only place to light it. And I'm not talking about selfish prayers. I'm not talking about self-driven agenda prayers. I'm talking about prayers for lost loved ones. I'm talking about this nation uh, coming into the glory of God. I'm talking about a complete turning again of purity, of diligence, of righteousness. We get angry when people say things about us we should be angry when people talk about our god and say that he can't move cancer out of bodies and say that he can't restore and say that god can't do this who are you to put god in a box when it's been broke open i refuse to tell god what he can't do you see 
I refuse to tell God what he can't do. I just come into covenant with him. And his word is true today. I believe it. I receive it. Come on, I believe it today. I come into covenant with his word. It is truth, his word. He is truth, his word is truth. Come on, we release it today. Give it to him. He's able. He's able. Come on, hand it over. Hand it over. Hand it over. I see the weariness. I see the weariness of soul. I see it. And I know I was told about your heart condition, but he is a fixture of all broken things. He's actually close to the broken hearted. Intercessors, where are you at? Come on, lift it up. Come on, it's time to believe again. Oh, it's time to believe again. Yes, we've seen God do great things in past pretense. But he said, behold, I'm doing a new thing. I, I, I'm doing a new thing in this hour. Do you not know it? Do you not perceive it? He's close to the brokenhearted. You see, this broken heart didn't start with this condition. That's what I'm going to speak to you right now. He's shattering all the precepts. This brokenness didn't begin with this condition. This condition slipped in and taken up residency in a previously broken place. Ooh. Come on, let him heal your heart today. Let him heal your heart. Give you a new start. Come on, he's bringing life today. Where others have died, I speak life over you. I speak life over you. You will fulfill the number of days that have been written for your life. You, you will fulfill the number of days that have been written for your life. We're going to get rid of the death mentality. We're going to get rid of the, I'm preparing to die. I'm going to live and I'll live in the abundance that he's promised me. Come on, he's healing the previously broken state. <laughs> Come on, let him. There you go. Open it up. Come on, don't be afraid to shatter this. In the name of Jesus, bring it forth. Break it forth. Break it forth. Come on. Come on, it's time. It's time to lose yourself in the spirit. Chelsea, go up to the altar. I'm sending an intercessor up to you. Come on, it's time to shatter the lies and the defeat of hell today. Shut hell up in this atmosphere. Heaven be open. Heaven be open. Heaven be open. Come on, cloven tongues of fire on Pentecost. Releasing, releasing, releasing. If you need a healing, make your way to the altar. Intercessors, make your way. If you need an infeeling, make your way to the altar. Come on. Come on. Today is the day. Today is the day. Today is the day. Today is the day. Come on. Break it forth. Come on. You need a, to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Do not wait another second. We're tarrying. Go, go, go. 
go, go, go. We're moving while we tarry. We're moving while we tarry. I break it forth. I break it forth. Come on, men. Come on. Pray with Brandon. Come on, men. Brandon, it's yours, buddy. All you got to do is accept it. It's yours. Come on, Nick. It's yours. All of it is yours. All you got to do is take it today. Come on, let him have all of it, Nick. Come on, there's nothing he's afraid of. There's nothing. There's nothing that's shocking. Come on, open it up. He can handle even your doubts. He can handle it. There you go. Now listen. God's moving in a mighty way in your life and he's breaking it forth. He's breaking it forth. You're not meant to be set it in a box today. Ooh, stand up. Stand up. Lift it up. Come on, there's a release coming to your house today. Listen, you, you don't care to ask God for the small things, but he says, I, I'm ready. You don't even ask for the big. But he's saying, it's okay to ask me for those things too, Nick. It's okay. I'm the God of the impossible for you, concerning you. So today, God, we ask you for Nick's impossible movement today. Come on, I speak debt free. Barriers be broken. I speak that that space of, of, of emptiness to be filled. I speak. I speak. I speak in this avenue area. Come on, intercessors, I need you to pray. Come on, if you need an infilling of the Holy Ghost, move now. Come on, today is the day. I don't know why we would delay. Father, Lord, move in the... This is your vessel, Lord. He desires to move in you, and you desire to move in Him, oh God. Come on, river of God flow. Come on, river of God flow in this house. Come on, if you need to come to the altar, now is your time. Come on, we release the infilling presence of God. We release the indwelling presence of God. Come on, move in this house. Listen, there was a young woman after church last Sunday who was filled with the baptism of God. Nothing is too big and nothing's too small. 
Receive it, baby. Open up. Say, Lord, I want everything that you have for me. Father, break it forth in this child. In faith, Father, break it forth, God. Father, move. We hope you enjoyed this word. If you would like to hear more messages like this one, please take a second and click the subscribe button. And for more information on our ministry, please visit us at rhctn.com.